one chapter one of corporal cameron of the northwest mounted police a tale of the macleod trail this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by lynn thompson corporal cameron of the northwest mounted police book one chapter one the quitter oh cameron agony reproach entreaty vibrated in the clear young voice that rang out over the inverleith grounds the scottish line was sagging that line invincible in two years of international conflict the line upon which ireland and england had broken their pride sagging and because cameron was weakening cameron the brilliant halfback the fierce fighting erratic young highlander disciplined steadied by the great dun into an instrument of scotland's glory cameron going back a hush fell on the thronged seats and packed in a circle a breathless dreadful hush of foreboding high over the hushed silence that vibrant cry rang and cameron heard it the voice he knew it was young rob dunn's the captain's younger brother whose soul knew but two passions one for the captain and one for the half-back of the scottish international and cameron responded the enemy's next high punt found him rock-like in steadiness and rock-like he tossed high over his shoulders the tow-headed welshman rushing joyously at him and delivered his ball far down the line safe into touch but after his kick he was observed to limp back into his place the fierce pace of the welsh forwards was drinking the life of the scottish back line an hour then a half then another half without a score and now the final quarter was searching searching the weak spots in their line the final quarter it is that finds a man's history and habits the clean of blood and of life defy its pitiless probe but the rotten fibre yields and snaps that momentary weakness of cameron's like a subtle poison runs through the scottish line and like fluid lightning through the welsh it is the touch upon the trembling balance with cries exultant with triumph the welsh forwards fling themselves upon the steady scots now fighting for life rather than for victory and under their captain's directions these fierce victory-sniffing welsh are delivering their attack upon the spot where he fancies he has found a yielding in vain cameron rallies his powers his nerve is failing him his strength is done only five minutes to play but one minute is enough down upon him through a broken field dribbling the ball and following hard like hounds on a hare come in the welsh the tow-head raging in front bloody and fearsome there is but one thing for cameron to do grip that tumbling ball and committing body and soul to fate plunge into that line alas his doom is upon him he grips the ball pauses a moment only a fatal moment but it is enough his plunge is too late he loses the ball a surge of welshmen overwhelm him in the mud and carry the ball across the game is won and lost what though the scots like demons suddenly released from hell the half-back cameron most demon-like of all rage over the field driving the welshmen hither and thither at will 
the gods deny them victory it is for wales that day in the retreat of their rubbing-room the gay gallant humour which the scots have carried with them off the field of their defeat vanishes into gloom through the steaming silence a groan breaks now and then at length a voice oh wasn't it rotten the rank quitter that he is quitter who is who says so it was the captain's voice sharp with passion i do don it was cameron lost us the game you know it too i know it's rotten to say this but i can't help it cameron lost the game and i say he's a rank quitter as martin would say look here nesbit the captain's voice was quiet but every man paused in his rubbing i know how sore you are and i forgive you that but i don't want to hear from you or from any man on the team that word again cameron is no quitter he made he made an error he wasn't fit but i say to you cameron is no quitter while he was speaking the door opened and into the room came a player tall lanky with a pale gaunt face plastered over the forehead with damp wisps of straight black hair his deep-set blue-gray eyes swept the room thanks dan he said hoarsely let them curse me i deserve it all it's tough for them but god knows i've got the worst of it i've played my last game his voice broke huskily oh rot it cameron cried dan don't be an ass your first big game every fellow makes his mistake 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 you can't lie easily dan i was a fool and worse than a fool i let myself down and i wasn't fit anyway i'm through with it his voice was wild and punctuated with unaccustomed oaths his breath came in great sobs oh rot it cameron again cried dunn next year you'll be twice the man you're just getting into your game right loyally his man rallied to their captain right you are why certainly no man gets into the game first year we'll give him beans next year cameron old man they were eager to atone for the criticism which all had held in their hearts and which one of them had spoken but this business was serious to lose a game was bad enough but to round on a comrade was unpardonable while to lose the game from a half-back of cameron's caliber was unthinkable meanwhile cameron was tearing off his football togs and hustling off his clothes with fierce haste dunn kept his eye on him hurrying his own dressing and chatting quietly the while but long before he was ready for the street cameron had crushed his things into a bag and was looking for his hat hold on i'm with you i'm with you in a jiffy said dunn my hat muttered cameron searching wildly among the jumble oh hang the hat let it go wait for me cameron where are you going cried dunn to the devil cried the lad slamming the door behind him and by jove he'll go too said nesbit say i'm awfully sorry i made that break done it was beastly low down to round on a chap like that i'll go after him do old chap he's frightfully cut up and get him for to-night he may fight shy of the dinner but he's down for the pipes you know and well he's just got to be there good-bye you chaps i'm off and i say men when dunn said men they all knew it was their captain that was speaking everybody stood listening dunn hesitated a moment or two as if searching for words about the dinner to-night i'd like you to remember i mean i don't want any man to oh hang it you know what i mean 
there will be lots of fellows there who will want to fill you up i'd hate to see any of our team the captain paused embarrassed we tumble captain said martin a medical student from canada who played quarter i'll keep an eye on them you bet everybody roared for not only on the quarter line but also at the dinner table the little quarterback was a marvel of endurance here the blooming colonists said linklater martin's comrade on the quarter line and his greatest friend we know who'll want the watching but we'll see to him captain all right old chap sorry i'll have to cut the van i'm afraid my governor's got the carriage here for me but the men all made outcry there were other plans for him but captain hold on oh now captain don't forsake us but i say dunn see us through we're shy don't leave us captain or you'll be sorry sang out martin come on fellows let's keep next to him we'll give him old grimes already a mighty roar was heard outside the green the drive the gateways and the street were blocked with the wildest football fanatics that edinburgh and all scotland could produce they were waiting for the international players and were bent on carrying their great captain down the street shoulder high for the enthusiasm of the scot reaches a point of madness only in the hour of glorious defeat but before they were aware dunn had shouldered his mighty form through the opposing crowds and had got safely into the carriage beside his father and his young brother but the crowd were bound to have him we want him doctor said the young giant in a tam shanter in fact doctor he argued with a humorous smile we mun ha him you'll not get him jock murchison shouted young rob standing in front of his big brother we want him we us the crowd laughed gleefully go for him jock you can easy lick him said a voice encouragingly Burimood, doctor said jock who was a great friend of the family and who had a profound respect for the doctor it's beyond me jock i fear see yon bantam cock i doubt you'll have to be content said the doctor dropping into jock's kindly doric oh get on there murchison said dunn impatiently you're not going to make an ass of me make up your mind on that jock hesitated meditating a sudden charge but checked by his respect for dr dunn here you fellows shouted a voice fall in the band is going to play get into line there you tamashanter you're stopping the procesh now then wait for the line everybody it was little martin on top of the van in which were the scottish players tune old grimes words as follows catch on everybody old dunn 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 with a delighted cheer the crowd formed in line and led by the little quarterback on top of the van they set off down the street two men at the heads of the doctor's carriage horses holding them in place behind the van on went the swaying crowd and on went the swaying chant with martin director of ceremonies and dunn hurling unavailing objurations and entreaties at jock's head through the uproar a girl's voice reached the doctor's ear aren't they lovely sir the doctor turned to greet a young lady tall strong and with the beauty of perfect health rather than of classic feature in her face there was withal a careless disregard of the feminine niceties of dress oh miss brodie will you not come up we can easily make room 
i'd just love to cried the girl but i'm only a humble member of the procession following the band and the chariot wheels of the conqueror her strong brown face was all aglow with ardour conqueror growled dunn not much of a conqueror why not oh fudge the game what matters the game it's the play we care about well spoken lassie said the girl that's the true sport aren't they awful cried dunn look at that young canadian idiot up there well if you ask me i think he's a perfect dear said miss brodie deliberately i'm sure i know him anyway i'm going to encourage him with my approval and she waved her hand at martin the master of ceremonies responded by taking off his hat and making a sweeping bow still keeping up the beat the crowd following his eyes turned their attention to the young lady much to dunn's delight at this point martin held up both arms and called for silence second verse he shouted second verse get the words now old dunn ain't done old dunn ain't done old dunn old dunn ain't done old dunn ain't done old dunn ain't done old dunn old dunn ain't done but the crowd rejected the colonial version and rendered in their own good doric old dunn's no done old dunn's no done old dunn old dunn's no done old dunn knows done old dunn's no done old dunn old dunn's no done and so they sang and swayed following the van till they neared queen street down which lay the doctor's course for heaven's sake can't they be choked off groaned dunn the doctor signalled jock to him jock he said we'll just slip through at queen street we'd like awfully to do prince's street sir pleaded jock prince's street you born ass cried dunn wrathfully oh yes let them cried young rob whose delight in the glory of his hero had been beyond all measure let them do prince's street just once but the doctor would not have it jock he said quietly just get us through at queen street all right sir replied jock with great regret it will be as you say under jock's orders when queen street was reached the men at the horses heads suddenly swung the pair from the crowd and after some struggling got them safely into the clear space leaving the procession to follow the van loudly cheering their great international captain whose prowess in the field was equalled only by his modesty and his hatred of the demonstration listen to the idiots said dunn in disgust as the carriage bore them away from the cheering crowd man they're just fine aren't they father said young rob in an ecstasy of joy they're generous lads generous lads boy said dr dunn his old eyes shining for his son's triumph touched him deeply that's the only way to take defeat that's all right sir said dunn quickly but it's rather embarrassing though it's awfully decent of them the doctor's words suggested fresh thoughts to young rob but it was terrible and you were just on the wind too i know i'm not so sure at all said his brother oh it is terrible said bob again tut tut lad what's so terrible said his father one side has to lose oh it's not that said rob his lip trembling i don't care a sniff for the game what then said his big brother in a voice sharpened by his own thoughts oh jack said rob nervously wreathing his hands he-he looked as if he the lad could not bring himself to say the awful word nor was there need to ask who it was the boy had in mind 
"'What do you mean, Rob?' The captain's voice was impatient, almost angry. Then Rob lost his control. "'Oh, Jack, I can't help it. I saw it. Do you think—did he really funk it?' His voice broke. He clutched his brother's knee and stood with face white and quivering. He had given utterance to the terrible suspicion that was torturing his heroic young soul. Of his two household gods, one was tottering on its pedestal. That a football man should funk, the suspicion was too dreadful. The captain glanced at his father's face. There was gloom there, too, and the same terrible suspicion— no sir said dunn with impressive deliberation answering the look on his father's face cameron is no quitter he didn't funk i think he continued while rob's tear-stained face lifted eagerly i know he was out of condition he had let himself run down last week since the last match indeed got out of hand a bit you know sir that last quarter was pretty stiff his nerve gave just for a moment oh said the doctor in a voice of relief that explains it but he added quickly in a severe tone it was very reprehensible for a man on the international to let himself get out of shape very reprehensible indeed an international mind you it was my fault sir i'm afraid said dunn regretfully i ought to have nonsense a man must be responsible for himself control to be of any value must be Altronius, as our old professor used to say that's true sir but i had kept pretty close to him up to the last week you see and bad training bad training a trainer's business is to school his men to do without him that is quite right sir i believe i've been making a mistake said dunn thoughtfully poor chap he's awfully cut up so he should be said the doctor sternly he had no business to get out of condition the international mind you oh father perhaps he couldn't help it cried rob whose loyal tender heart was beating hard against his little ribs and he looks awful i saw him come out and when i called to him he never looked at me once there is no finer loyalty in this world than that of a boy below his teens it is so without calculation without qualification and without reserve Dr. Dunn let his eyes rest kindly upon his little flushed face. "'Perhaps so, perhaps so, my boy,' he said, "'and I have no doubt he regrets it now more than any of us. "'Where has he gone?' "'Nesbit's after him, sir. "'He'll get him for tonight.' But as Dunn, fresh from his bath, but still sore and stiff, was indulging in a long-banished pipe, Nesbit came in to say that Cameron could not be found. "'And have you not had your tub yet?' said his captain. "'Oh, that's all right. You know I feel awfully about that beastly remark of mine.' "'Oh, let it go,' said Dunn. "'That'll be all right. You get right away home for your tub and get freshened up for tonight. I'll look after Cameron. You know he is down for the pipes. He's simply got to be there, and I'll get him if I have to bring him in a crate. Pipes, kilt, and all.' and Nesbit, knowing that Dunn never promised what he could not fulfil, went off to his tub in fair content. He knew his captain. As Dunn was putting on his coat, Rod came in, distress written on his face. "'Are you going to get Cameron, Jack?' he asked timidly. 
I asked Nesbit, and he said, Now look here, youngster, said his big brother, then paused. The distress in the lad's face checked his words. Now, Rob, he said kindly, you needn't fret about this. Cameron is all right. The kind tone broke down the lad's control. He caught his brother's arm. Say, Jack, are you sure he didn't funk? His voice dropped to a whisper. Then his big brother sat down and drew the lad to his side. Now listen, Rob, I'm going to tell you the exact truth. Cameron did not funk. The truth is, he wasn't fit. He ought to have been, but he wasn't. And because he wasn't fit, he came mighty near quitting. For a moment, I'm sure, he felt like it, because his nerve was gone. But he didn't. Remember, he felt like quitting and didn't. And that's the finest thing a chap can do, never to quit, even when he feels like it. Do you see? The lad's head went up. I see, he said, his eyes glowing. It was fine. I'm awfully glad he didn't quit, especially when he felt like it. You tell him from me. His idol was firm again on his pedestal. All right, old chap, said his big brother. You'll never quit, I bet. Not if I'm fit, will I? right you are keep fit that's the word and with that the big brother passed out to find the man who was writhing in an agony of self-contempt for in the face of all scotland and in the hour of her need he had failed because he wasn't fit after an hour dunn found his man fixed in the resolve to there and then abandon the game and with all the appurtenances thereof and among these the dinner mightily his captain laboured with him plying him with various motives the honour of the team was at stake the honour of the country was at stake his own honour for was he not down on the programme for the pipes it was all in vain in dogged gloom the half-back listened unmoved at length knowing well the highlander's tender heart cunningly touched another string and told of rob's distress and subsequent relief and then gave his half-back the boy's message. I promised to tell you, and I almost forgot. The little beggar was terribly worked up, and as I remember it, this is what he said. I'm awfully glad he didn't quit, especially when he felt like it. Those were his very words. Then Cameron buried his face in his hands and groaned aloud, while Dunn, knowing that he had reached his utmost, stood silent, waiting. Suddenly Cameron flung up his head. Did he say I didn't quit? Good little soul. I'll go. I'd go through hell for that. And so it came, that not in a crate, but in the gallant garb of a Highland gentleman, pipes and all, Cameron was that night in his place, fighting out through the long, hilarious night, the fierce despite of his life, chiefly because of the words that lay like a balm to his lacerated heart. He didn't quit, especially when he felt like it. End of Book One, Chapter One